I'm Crispin. In this podcast, we will be listening to the Adventures in Odyssey radio show that has been put out by Focus on the Family for the past 30 years. If you grew up evangelical like us, there's a good chance you've heard an episode or two. We'll be on the lookout for themes and messages in the show that coincide with, and sometimes depart from, God's vision for his kingdom in the world. Thanks for listening with us. everyone, welcome to the Prophetic Imagination Station. I'm D.L. Mayfield and... I'm Crispin Mayfield. <laughs> we are a wife and husband duo doing our podcast. It's freezing cold. We both have our cups of tea because it's like 40 degrees where we're recording right now in our resistance shed. Yes, we are dedicated. We're so dedicated. My fingers are really cold. Yeah, so... We are sacrificing for y'all. Um, thanks, everyone, to listening. We're really excited that season two was launched and all of the excitement about it. And I'm very excited to talk about this episode today. But first, Crispin, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, so just wanted to mention um, that we do want to have all of our episodes up online um, and have enough space for that. So for hosting, uh, we're trying to raise a little bit of money uh, so that we can keep Uh, our podcast on the air so that you can go to iTunes and any of the episodes you want to listen to, you can listen to. Um, Previously, we were limited to like three hours, um, but we want our SoundCloud, we want to upgrade our SoundCloud account. We've already gotten some people that have donated, which we really appreciate. So we are well on our way um, and just need a few more, a little bit more help to make this sustainable long-term. Yeah. So you can go to my author website, which is dlmayfield.com. And there's a little tab called podcast. You can read a bit about this podcast and there's a little donate button. And I think we're a quarter of the way there already just by one person donating. So you guys, (laughs) we are a bare bones operation and you can make a huge difference here. Um, Okay. So let's get on with what we're going to talk about today. Crispin, as per usual, picked this episode because he's the Adventures in Odyssey genius. But it's about a topic I love talking about, so I'm excited. Yeah, I was trying to figure out... um, I know that Mr. Whitaker uh, is wealthy. And I was trying to... Because I know that initially, um, Wit's End was bought for like $3 million um, from his company. And so I'm like, oh, this is something that hardly ever comes up. ever Hardly ever talking about money. Okay. Um, so I was like doing some research and I found this episode, it's called the poor rich guy. Um, and it is based around the question as to whether Mr. Whitaker will or will not get into heaven because he is rich. Right. So when Kristen told me that, I was like, I am all in, I'm all in. I know this season we are talking about, um, the political imagination of Odyssey and maybe some people listening are confused why we're going to talk about an episode that has to do with money. Um, but I think as we talk We'll make clear that we we think money and affluence in particular is a political issue. Right. And one thing worth noting is that I did have to do research. There are not that many episodes about money, uh, which I think is really like a blind spot of evangelicals when it comes to politics. Right. Right. Okay. Great. We'll we'll dig into that. (laughs) 
So uh, basically, it starts out uh, with some kids, uh, the Washington kids, I believe. I can't remember the names. Tamika is one. Um, but they're reading, she's read ahead in the Bible and read this verse um, that uh, it's harder for uh, I, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, something that we've all heard before. Um, and yeah, so, Matthew 19 something. Yeah, something. If Tamika was here, she would tell us because she memorized it. Yeah. Matthew 19, 24. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you remember when you were a kid memorizing, having to memorize the references as well as the verse? Yeah, totally. I mean, right. I was in Awanas and I was super good at it and I don't remember any of them now. Yeah. What's the point? I just remember all the Romans ones. There's like this cadence to Romans. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.28? I think so. I don't know. See, it does does have this like cadence to it. Like, you know, you just, good job. So anyways, you missed a little bit. There's, isn't Grady? Don't we meet Grady first? Okay. There's this little kid named Grady and he's like at Sunday school and there's this like weird new character that I don't know named Wooten Mm -hmm. who's like their teacher, but he's not really the teacher because then Mr. Whitaker is the teacher and Grady doesn't like going to church, but he has to go to church because his mom is, like, dropping him off there because she does laundry for other people to make extra money. And he, he like, gets in her way, so that's why he has to go to church. And so that's interesting. To me, they're setting up this character who obviously doesn't have money. Right. Um, this little kid named Grady. And then at Sunday school, this girl, Tamika, talks about this Bible verse that she memorized. And it really upsets Grady. But then he's also like, but I don't know any rich people. Right. Right? Yep. And then Mr. Whitaker comes in and tells all the Sunday school class that he's taking everyone to Waterworld. Yes! Nice! I love Waterworld. Thanks, Mr. Whitaker. You're welcome to me. Which sounds amazing, by the way. Um, which is obviously a water park. And Grady is like, is it free? You know? Which is like so sad. That's like such a question that only poor kids have to think about um and mr whitaker's like yeah i'm paying for everything and so then that's when grady's like oh my gosh mr whitaker is rich which means he's not going to heaven right right yes okay mm-hmm. yeah so then they discuss it for a while i don't know the if kids do yeah amongst themselves mm-hmm. like what does this mean mm-hmm. like you know and um and then i think it's af- right after that they find out that wooten um, is also wealthy. And the reason, the way, so I should explain who Wooten is. Yes. I, yeah. I don't actually know Wooten that much because this was an era after me. Yeah, this is a bit of, this is a later episode because someone's name is Tamika. Yes. And what's her brother's name, Marcus? Uh-huh. I was like, okay, so these are clearly supposed to be African-American characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Which is a new experience for me, listening to Odyssey. Right. And they're the Washingtons, who you've told me about. Mm-hmm. They're like yeah. Odyssey's black family. Right. Token black family. Yes. Okay. Yes. Anyways, the token so, black so who is, yeah, who is this Wooten guy? He's a really funny voice. I liked his voice. Yeah. So he's this silly guy that's really lovable and both like simplistic and a genius. And so oh, he great. is, I think, the mailman of the town. That, yeah, I think he is. So okay. he, but he like kind of blunders everything because he is a mailman that goes and he just like talks to everybody way too long. And uh, makes lots of mistakes, and but like loves everyone. Um, he also is. Uh, this is a top secret, but um, there's this comic book character, 
and he actually writes the comic books. This but, is top secret, you guys. That's what Christmas just said. Yes. So, so don't go spreading that around. Right. Um, I can't. What is the name of the comic book? Power Boy. Power Boy. Right. So he writes Power Boy comics, but he doesn't want anybody to find out because uh, he's afraid that they'll treat him differently because um, it's presumed because he's rich. And I don't want that. People would start treating me differently, you know? They so, may be famous. Right, yeah. That's what I was thinking. He didn't say, the kids say you're rich, so you don't want people to treat him differently. He's like, I don't know. I just don't want people to treat me differently. So I was thinking of fame, but it wasn't explicitly said. So anyway, they find out he's rich. And then they're wondering, like, okay, so Wooten and Mr. Whitaker are rich. So Grady's like, the Bible is BS because it can't be true that they're not going to heaven. Because they're really nice people. Yes, right. And, yeah, so it starts him off on this little existential crisis. I told you, I'm not going to church. Tell a bunch of baloney. What makes you say that? I mean, come on. How much of the Bible do you really believe? Well, all of it. And... Um, which is totally appropriate to have, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scriptures are hard, and I don't know. I kind of thought it was really heartbreaking that he was so torn up about it. So he doesn't want to go to church anymore. And meanwhile, Tamika and Marcus had, or really Marcus had asked Mr. Worker all these questions, and they're trying to find out how rich he is. They find out he's, like, on the board of some encyclopedia company and, you know, we still don't quite get a handle on how rich he is because Mr. Whitaker hates talking about money, which is a thing that rich people do. Right. Totally. That's what was really funny is he's always like, you know, keeps us cool, always responds, you know, perfectly to any question, is never... Uh, oh, in your opinion. Right. Well, I mean, like, he's never... <laughs> what's that word? Uh, he's never, like, kerfluffled or, you know... Yeah, except this one because they're yeah. like... Mr. Whitaker, are you rich? <laughs> well, that certainly wasn't the question I was expecting. I told him not to ask it. But you just said you'd answer. Well, I thought you were going to ask for or advice or something. You've always told us any question. Ignore him, Mr. Whitaker. How much money do you have? Marvin. May I ask why you want to know? Over a thousand? Yes, over a thousand, but... Uh... <gasps> over two thousand? Well, I... <laughs> it's just... Uh... What, what, what is this about? Mr. Riker has so much money. He doesn't want to talk about money with the kids. But he finally figures out they're asking all these questions because Tamika had looked ahead at the Bible verses. And then he does this thing with them about context. Right. He makes them read one sentence from a newspaper article about polar bears finally making it to Egypt. It says, after a long and arduous journey, the polar bears finally arrived safely in Egypt. And they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then he's like, we'll read the whole article. And the whole article is about polar bears uh, going to a zoo exhibit in Egypt. Yeah. And so then he has them read like the few verses before the one about the rich man. And the one after which says, you know, the disciples are like freaking out like, okay, then if, if rich people can't get into heaven, like who can? And Jesus says, you know with God, nothing is impossible or something like that. So then the kids are like, oh, great. Rich people can go to heaven and that's well, awesome. And what's more, I, what stood out to me is the verse before says, uh, he says, they, he reads, and, you know, Jesus says something like, surely I say to you, it is very hard for a rich person to get into heaven. And they're like, oh, it's just hard. Not impossible. It's Not impossible. Right. Yeah. It's just hard. But it's almost like a, because it's just hard, like it doesn't carry any weight at all. Yeah, it definitely made the kids feel good. And then 
Chipper Chris gets on it. So Chris is like the Wait, host of Odyssey. One more thing. Oh, sorry. Mr. Whitaker also uh, says basically like, oh, I, I don't love money. It's just like a part of my life. I really don't love it at all, actually. If you mean how much do I love money... Well, I, I don't love it at all. It's just a thing. Oh, my god! Which is, is another thing that rich people say, yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so at the end, Chris, the host of the show, gets on with her very chipper voice. And she was just like, what did she say? Matthew, 20-something, says, like, woe to you who are like whitewashed tombs. Like, on the outside, you look good, but inside, you're full of dead man's bones. And I was like get it, Chris. This is like a really intense verse and I'm loving it. And then she's like, what does that even mean? Like, you have to look at the whole context of the passage. You know that Jesus was talking to Pharisees who are hypocrites. Like, that's why it's really important to read the Bible in context. And you have to look really hard and look at all the verses. And so I was like, oh my gosh. They didn't talk about the content of these verses in any way, shape, or form. And when you look up this episode on the wiki, they're like, this episode is all about reading the Bible in context. And I was like, of course, of course they do that on the verses about money, specifically mm-hmm. what Jesus has to say about money right? and riches. Like, of course they do an entire episode on reading in context and don't actually engage the issue of what it looks like for a Christian who has money to operate in the world in light of Jesus' teachings. They didn't talk about that at all. And so I was super mad at Chris because I was like, the whitewash tomb thing is, is perfect, like, in this context of Mr. Whitaker, right. you know, looking awesome and doing all these things. But has he truly grappled with what Jesus has to say about money? I don't think he has. Yeah. Also, if we're talking about context, they didn't even talk about the story of the rich young ruler, which is what this verse all stems from. And I almost felt like the writers of this show are afraid. They were afraid of the power of scripture and the power of that story. You know, that is who Jesus is saying this to, is this rich young ruler who really wants to follow God, like knows all his stuff, is asking Jesus what to do. And Jesus is like, have you followed the commandments, you know, and you know, list all the important ones, you know, ending with, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, I've done that. And so Jesus says, okay, then sell all that you have and give it to the poor, you know, and come follow me. And the rich young ruler can't do that. And he walks away sad. And, and I was like, they didn't even talk about that story, which made me feel really sad. That's a story I think kids need to hear. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. In a yeah. sense, right? Like, yeah. it's just weird. They, like, grapple with this verse, and then they're like, oh, well, if you read it in context, basically they're saying it means nothing at all. Is yeah. the sense I got, right? Yeah. Also. It's easily dismissed because they use this context card. Yeah. It makes me think there's this Kierkegaard quote. Um, or this thing that Kierkegaard said, basically that was like uh, theological training and academics and everything exists because people didn't want to take Jesus' words at face value because they were too challenging. Wow. Which is like totally applies here, right? Jesus says this really harsh thing that I think is very important. And they're like, well, he didn't really mean that. Yeah. Which also worth noting I mean, it's weird that they pick two things that Jesus said and then say, like, well, you really have to understand context. Right. Which is really frustrating because I think we can all think of certain passages that we know people cling to out of context or just, you know, there's one or two verses about it and people base entire political agendas off of it. And 
it's really hard to see money treated in this way where you just kind of work around it and don't actually deal with the content. Because, you know, I'll say as someone who grew up evangelical, kind of like Grady, I'm like, I didn't think I knew any poor people or rich people. So I don't think, I didn't think I knew any rich people growing up. Um, and I knew some people I, that were poorer than us, but you know, we're probably lower middle class, which I wasn't aware of back then. Um, and I just didn't know what to think about money except to think like, yeah, if you have things you should share with the poor and you know, blah, 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 blah. But no real understanding of the divisions in our own country as far as like inequality. And now, you know, I don't know when the first time it was that I started to take Jesus's words about money seriously, but they are incredibly challenging. And I don't want to say I have a handle on them in any way, shape or form, but you know, there have been books like Rich Christians in the Age of Hunger by Ron Sider, who just like shocked me awake. And by the way, I bought that book at a family Christian bookstore or something like that, which is kind of awesome. So there are, there are some things that have made it into mainstream Christian publishing world about money. So I would say that book and probably, you know, Shane Claiborne's works too. They do grapple with this idea of money in a very real and a very big way. Um, and now more recently, like Walter Brueggemann's works specifically he has this big book called Money and Possessions, which is like, oh my gosh, like the Old Testament is like all about economics, all about money, all about inequality. And then Jesus continues on that tradition and makes it even more explicit. And it's just like, oh my gosh, economics is huge. It's huge for thinking about how do we live in opposition to empire? How do we live in God's kingdom, which is completely opposite from trying to accrue more and more and more for yourself. So what do you mean by empire? Yeah, I mean, Brueggemann uses that word. and So he really talks a lot about Pharaoh and like what Egypt did as far as economics. They're predatory economics, right? That's how empire exists, is you prey on others, you accrue more, you all this stuff, and that's how you grow empires. Um, and God, from the get-go, was saying, no, like, you don't do that. And even if you do accrue, let's talk about this thing called Jubilee, <laughs> which means like every 50 years, we're going to set it back and you're going to give back what land you accrued and what slaves you accrued and all this stuff. And so just this radical concept of like, nothing truly belongs to you. It belongs to God, it belongs to the community. You know, even thinking through that idea of manna, right? And getting this provision from God daily, thinking about, you know, the the Lord's prayer, like the most famous prayer, give us this day, our daily bread. Like that is a radical economic position. Like that is a radical thought about money. And, you know, we don't do that. Obviously you and I, we have a house. You know what I mean? Like money is tight for us, but we don't have to pray every day that God would give us bread. You know what I mean? And so already we're, we're slipping Right. Slipping from Jesus' words. But what is it what does it look like to at least try and get closer to that? Yeah, and something that I've told you before as we've talked about our personal finances, um, is like I I'm not saying like when I read the Bible, I'm like, oh my gosh, I like read Jesus' words and like I obey them and everybody else is getting it wrong. Like I obviously don't. Yeah. And I need a church that is going to encourage me to follow Jesus' words. Like I need a church that is going to Like, I need other believers that are like, hey, like, help me encourage you to be more generous, to not 
uh, store up for yourself to not be so like focused on your individual like you know well being. But instead, what I get and have heard over and over is you know variations of this episode, which is basically like. As long as your heart is okay, it doesn't matter what you do with your money, which is something you can say if you have a lot of money. (laughs) You can say, like, money doesn't matter because you've never been without it, right? So I think, um, in fact, recently we um, were thinking through quite a bit uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which is a popular, like, financial curriculum. Probably the most popular Christian financial curriculum. Yeah. And singing through that because our church was doing it, but we know a bit about Dave Ramsey and really just had, and, and we're familiar somewhat with the content and it just, he's always looking like Proverbs or like Psalms or like, doesn't look at the words of Jesus. And I'm like, that is not what I, like, I hear those things all the time. Like store up for yourself, make sure that you have enough that if, you know, emergency or like an emergency comes up, you won't go broke. Like, you know, basically like, like fill up your barns for winter's coming sort of thing. I don't know. But I... Well, in order that you can be generous. They always say it at the end. Yes, that's true. But that's always like last on the list. And I mean, I hear people say like, oh, well, like, you know, like um, my mom has some friends uh, that own, we're getting real personal. Whoa, I don't know them. Whoa. My parents go to a quite a wealthy church, so this could be really anyone, I think. Um, but they have like two homes that are half a million dollars, and my mom's always like, but they're so generous. And it's like, well, how generous are you if you own a million dollars in real estate? Obviously, you're keeping some of it for yourself. So I think that's yeah, like... Yeah, we are super judgy about this, right. and we freely admit that. But... I will say we have we have a lot of judgment for ourselves too. Well, and like I said, I I want to I w- I want to be a part of a church. I need spiritual community that is always encouraging me to like take the words of Jesus seriously. Yes. And the evangelical political imagination has basically just ignored money totally. Or uh, taken on like the Protestant work ethic sort of approach of like, well, if you, you know, if you're poor, it's because you didn't work hard enough. Well, I was going to say, I don't think they've ignored money, but they have really invested in this idea of like, if you want to be rich, you can be rich and that's great. And you can use that for God's glory, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, our big thing with Dave Ramsey is like, you can't talk about money in the U.S. without addressing the vast economic disparity that our country was founded on in regards to slavery, which created extreme wealth for some people, white male landowners, and created horrific conditions um, for others, right? And so there's just no way to talk about money in America (laughs) without talking, because we haven't had Jubilee, you know what I mean? We haven't had reparations, we haven't had... Um, giving back of resources or land or any of that stuff. And so the playing field is not level. Um, And you and I are both white, come from middle-class families, even if they were lower middle income. And, you know, so we have a responsibility to be aware of that. And, you know, living and working in poor neighborhoods has really shown us that people work very, very, very hard and are incredibly generous, more generous than any of these rich white Christians 
you know, I'm sure they are generous in their way, but they've got nothing on these communities of in poverty that we've experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so just having to grapple with that. And I like what you're saying. We just need more Christians and churches um, just pushing us to think and take it seriously. But everything we see is kind of like this episode. You can just brush it away or say, but they're generous or, you know what I mean? Like, and it doesn't deal with that fundamental injustice and inequality in our current situation. And now I think with politics, just what is being targeted, you know, what programs are being cut in the U.S., like programs for the poor, you know, who's getting tax cuts, the absolutely richest of the rich and evangelicals have had a a huge part in all of these things. You know, I grew up thinking taxes were evil and now I'm like, uh, yes, I want to contribute to the common good Mm -hmm. like everyone else should be doing. Um, I don't know. And also just really disparaging the poor. So welfare Queens government, you know what I mean? I grew up with all of that stuff and Actually, living in these communities has completely changed my perspective, I guess. Yeah. So recently in Oregon, we just had Measure 101, um, this special vote for it, and it was passed. And it was to tax health care providers uh, in order to fund um, people that don't have insurance so or to, to fund insurance for low-income people, right? So Medicaid expansion. And what I thought was really cool is that at least the gist that I got from all of my coworkers is that everybody voted for it, even though like we're the ones that will be taxed. Yeah. Right. Which I think was like, I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back, but just to see like a whole, our whole group uh, vote for that is like, I think that's the way that it should be is like, you're, we're willing to like take that to be taxed a little bit more Yeah. because we also know the people that are low income that come into our clinic and that are really struggling and need free health care. Yeah. Um, and so I think that really is a picture of like a, a, like I think that's a picture in a small way of God's kingdom of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. What if Jesus had said to this rich young ruler, like vote so that you'll have like a more accurate percentage of your income. That's more in line with how low income people get taxed, you know, vote for that to get passed. You know, you probably say like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Jesus and walk away. But you know, maybe we're oversimplifying here, but money is huge. Money is the root of so many evils. You know, even like slavery, I just, I don't think, <laughs> the idea of chattel slavery in America, I don't think it, I mean, yes, it's a demonic idea, but I don't think it was just because some people were extremely evil. I think they were like, we can make a bunch of money out of doing it this way. And now we need to maintain this system in order to keep getting money. So I'm like, I think money is the root of that. You know what I mean? Like, it's so powerful. It creates conditions like chattel slavery in America. It it creates, like, huge businesses, you know, getting out the board. Another thing that's interesting to think about money, which we never talk about. And this is weird because this is the part where I love Dave Ramsey and I don't love Dave because he's super anti-debt. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Bible's super anti-debt. And because it's like a tax on the poor, you know what I mean? It becomes sort of like a millstone around their neck. And I think there were periods in history where Christians were known for they wouldn't charge people interest. Mm -hmm. 
Actually, um, if I remember this correctly, in history, I don't know what centuries, probably like Middle Ages, uh, it was really important that there were Jewish people in the community because they would run the bank because Jesus said, uh, if you lend, don't collect interest. Yeah. And so Christians took Couldn't that very yeah. strictly and wouldn't run banks. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Now look at us. We don't even think a thing about the fact that Jesus said that. Yeah. And we charge interest on the poor in so many ways that we don't even realize it. Um, but I think it's cool to know, like, there's been periods in history where Christians have taken it seriously. And I want to get back to that. Right. Let's talk about hermeneutics for a minute and politics. Wait a minute. I hate that word, hermeneutics. Right. So I was going to say, let's, uh, let's, let's... I hate it because it makes me think about Bible college. Well, that's why we're, we, we're proving that we're credentialed to it's talk about It's not like this. I hated Bible college. <laughs> but... So hermeneutics is basically how you interpret scripture, right? So based on this episode, it was basically like, okay, so Jesus said this thing. It can't be true because it doesn't seem true to me. So then we need to go back and see like what's a more logical interpretation, which I don't think is necessarily a problematic way to approaching scripture. But I would say that a lot of like conservatives would say like, that's not how you interpret scripture. You just read what it says. You don't, if it doesn't make sense to you, well, God's ways are higher than yours and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, we hear constantly or did hear constantly about like, you have to be really aware of the lens through which you read the Bible, your worldview and all this stuff. But yet nobody ever spelled out what that worldview was. And now I'm like, oh, it was like a white middle-class you know, Protestant work ethic kind of worldview. And that's so obviously what Mr. Whitaker has. And that's why what Jesus said can't be true. And these kids have also absorbed that. And you know what I want to talk about? What? I want to talk about the fact that Grady was like so anguished at the thought of Mr. Whitaker and Wooten going to hell that he was just sort of like, I don't believe the Bible and I'm done with this church thing. Which I was like, wow, that's a fascinating and authentic response, Grady. You know what I mean? Like, I have that same thought often. Not about rich people, but about my friends who are Muslim refugees and have suffered so much in this life that it is very hard for me to conceive of a good and loving God, you know, consigning them to uh, eternal torment for forever. And so... <laughs> Right. Probably not talking about that on the show, but I'm just saying. Well, that's basically what the episode is about is like, okay, if so if you feel like that sounds too crazy that God would send them to hell, then you need to go back and reread the scripture in context so that it makes yeah. sense. Which I do. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is confusing. It's like a razor sharp sword, just like Jesus says. It cuts me all the time. I don't understand it. And then there's parts of it that just totally bind up my wounds and make me feel so close and connected to this God who sees all and is just and loving and will make all things new and is with my friends in their suffering and will somehow find a way to reveal himself to them. Yeah. There we go. That's right. how I'm reading the Bible now. But right. I love Grady. I love, I love poor little, I think he's a poor little white kid and just feeling distraught about, all of these things. I just, I don't know. I kind of liked him. Yeah. Well, I think about Wooten. Uh, he's like, yeah, I believe every single word of the Bible because it's God's word. 
And it's like, what? That just leaves me cold. What does that even mean? Right. That's what I was going to ask. What does that mean? What does that mean to you now, Crispin? Um, Wait a minute. We also had to like sign statements that we were biblical literalists back at Bible college. Right. So we thought every word, every jot and tittle, as they say, of the Bible is true. An inspired divine word of God. Now, like if somebody asked you the question, like, what do you think of the Bible? What would you say? Uh, I do think that it's God's word. Yeah. Um, I do think that it's very important. Um, I would say that the clearest view of God that we have is Jesus. And I think that's clear from scripture. You look at John 1. John says... Uh, you know, in the beginning was the word. So it wasn't the Bible was the word, but Jesus was the word. And in him, we have seen, he says like, you know, the, the, the best picture of God or who God truly is through uh, his kindness and truth. And I love that. That's, that's like from the CEV version, but it's just basically like God at his core is kindness and truth. And so like, if, if it's not kindness, like, then what do we do with it? Uh, you know? Yeah. Um, I've really been enjoying this book I've been reading uh, called The Evangelical Universalist. Oh, we cannot bring that up. <laughs> so I would suggest anyone to read it um, because I know that makes me sound like a heretic, but it is really interesting. And basically he tries to grapple with... Um, he says, basically, most people are either Arminian or they are Calvinist. And either of those views, you have to interpret certain other scriptures in a way that fits your theology. Exactly. Both right? of them. Yeah. 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 yeah and that's he's... why I'm like, the Bible's so freaking confusing. Right. Which yeah. I think it's okay to say that. And I think it's okay to be changed by it, even if it is confusing. Um I think it's also important to recognize, like, yeah, you are bringing an interpretation to the Bible no matter what. There's no, like, oh, I'll just read it for what it says. And I will say, like, in America, there's just this general assumption that if you're white, middle class, or above, like, you don't have as much baggage you're bringing to the text. But I would argue you have more, probably. Yeah. And that's what we really need, and we're trying to parse out in our own lives. Um, I will say, you know, I love what you said about Jesus, because I love Jesus. And... You know, the number one thing he talked about was the kingdom of God. And the number two thing he talked about was... Money. Money! Money, money, money. And so that's why it's kind of annoying that this episode just completely dismisses that. How come... Answer me this. How come people never say, you got to read Paul in context? They always say that about Jesus. No, they do. They do when they talk about the women stuff. Right. Sometimes. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I hear people often, people, it seems like I hear people either say you have to read Jesus in context or Paul in context, and it's two, like, groups of people. Anyways. Yeah. Where do we, where do we go from here? Um, Money is political. Money is power. And the way I think many white evangelicals are taught to think about money doesn't match up with how Jesus talks about money. And we need to grapple with that more. And I mean, it's closer to the early church, you know what I mean? And which looks a lot like socialism. <laughs> right. And I think right? it's, yeah, 
And it's so important that we recognize our political views and and try to parse out like what am I willing to hold these loosely? Yeah. When I read scripture. And what and what does it mean in a society where people are so segregated by class lines, you know, along with ethnic lines? What does it mean to try and take the words of Jesus seriously as far as money? I'm like, so where we live is kind of a lower income area. And because of that, the schools suffer, you know, because of that, we don't have the same opportunities as other people. And and it shouldn't be this way. You know, like every child should have the same access to education, right? But they don't. And so... I think as Christians, we need to be actively involved in writing those wrongs, right? Yes. Um, same thing with healthcare. Same thing with um, the WIC program. Same thing with food stamps. Like everybody should have access to safe, affordable housing and food and education, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. think that most Christians could hopefully agree on that, although I'm not so sure anymore. And so what do we do in response to that? A lot of people say, like, well, the government shouldn't be doing it. Christians should be doing it. Which, first of all, uh, Christians aren't doing it on it. You can't, like, say, like, oh, like, in America, Christians are, like, filling well, in the Well, it's interesting because they do do some of it. Right, yeah. Um, but it's- someone recently, um, within this last year, pointed out that uh, nations were judged by how they cared for the poor. So Israel, but in also the Old like Testament. in the Old Testament, other nations. So yeah. like on a national level. So I think there's something to be said there. I don't know if I'm interpreting that in context. You probably aren't. But actually, it is super sobering talking about lenses. <laughs> yeah, if you look at the Bible about the judgment reserved for the rich, it's intense. I, okay, I'm not going to name drop, but I did have a phone call with quite possibly the most influential white pastor church planter in the U S right now. And we were talking about gentrification because I'm writing an article about it. And he was basically talking about the problem of affluence, which we don't ever talk about as Christians. We always talk about the problem of poverty, but he's talking about how affluent neighborhoods and affluent churches, like they're going to be the ones who have to change and invite the poor into their spaces, into their communities, because we need mixed income neighborhoods. So don't just focus on poor neighborhoods and say, like, they're going to be gentrified. It's all terrible. He's like, the goal is to have mixed income. We also need to have mixed income neighborhoods in these richer, more affluent neighborhoods. And I was like, that's amazing. That's like prophetic imagination right there. He's like, yeah, but you know it's not going to happen. And that's, I'm like, that's what we should be talking about. Like, how affluence warps your morality. That's what I think. Yeah. I think um, talking about reading the Bible and how we love reading the Bible We've both been blessed by reading the Bible with people that come from really background, different backgrounds than us. And so, like, for example, going to our Bible college, like, we mostly got interpretations of the Bible from white middle class people and from a Western mindset for centuries and centuries and centuries. And so I think it's, like, been such a gift to uh, read the Bible with people that are different than us so that we can understand God better. And I think that without without that, we're not getting a, a full picture of God, which is which is what I want. I want to yeah. understand. So, Mr. Whitaker, if you're listening to this, I wish you would interrogate your unease with talking about money and your own wealth and what that's all about. And, yes, you're doing good things in the world, I'm sure. But 
Maybe also ask yourself, why is it only when the topic of money comes up that you want to talk about reading things in context? <laughs> and not just basing your whole life around one verse. Uh, but it's funny because it's, like, it's not one verse from Jesus. It's so many. And actually, when he talks a lot about judgment, like the final judgment, a lot of it has to do with money. And a lot of it has to do with the rich not um, giving what they had to the poor. Right? And so, I don't know scary out here for, rich, for us rich people. I'd, I would consider ourselves rich, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have money, but we have a lot more than most people. And so that's the other thing. I think it's really easy for us to distance ourselves from that word and that reality, but we got to own it in order to change it. Wow. We were kind of preachy today. I love talking about money. I bet people want to talk to us about money. Anytime I tweet about money, people get really mad. Especially when I say that affluence is the the baseline problem, not poverty. It makes people really mad. Which, again, let's just like take a moment and interrogate why that is, perhaps. Why the defensiveness? Yeah. Yeah. Why it makes people mad. Right. Yeah. Again, I think we really need communities where we are discussing money. I mean, that definitely is a middle class and rich cultural value is to not talk about money. Uh, people in poverty do talk about money a lot. Oh my gosh. And the New Yorker just did this whole thing about these super rich people in New York. And all of them were like, no, 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 no. I'm not that rich. I'm not that rich. I'm like the bottom of the 1%. And like they said that was like such a common denominator is the affluent really, really, really love to downplay their affluence. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I definitely see that in the church. Right. Which then I think keeps us from having authentic conversations and actually like um, growing spiritually and being challenged by the Bible and by one another to think about like what we do with, with our money. Yeah. So I am not sure where we're at, where we're going next. Cause we're waiting to get some feedback from some folks about, uh, what episodes we should listen to. Yeah. If we're talking about political imagination, we've covered a few topics and a few people tweeted at us some ideas. Um, we love that. Keep it coming. Send us any questions you have about money. We're on Twitter at Prophetic Imagine. And we, you can find us at Gmail at... PropheticImaginationStation at gmail.com. Why do I always forget our email address? I don't know. I just do. It's just straightforward. I have mom brain. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, thanks so much for listening. And... Yeah, we really appreciate you guys hearing us um, process our evangelical upbringing while we listen to these old kids' episodes. It's really fun for us. I it hope is it's fun. fun for you. And also, we had like over 12,000 listens on SoundCloud, which is amazing to me. Yeah, it was very encouraging. Weird. We, yes. But cool. So thank you for listening. I hope you go out and feel super guilty about all the money you have. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, yeah, maybe, maybe this is a good week to kind of immerse yourself in what the scriptures have to say about money and see where the spirit is leading you. That sounded really overly spiritual. I'm sorry, (laughs) but I kind of mean it. The Holy Spirit is intense, at least in my life. So yeah. Get together with some other folks and talk about Jesus and money. And maybe be awkward. Maybe if your church is doing Dave Ramsey, you should have a conversation with them. about that. Be the squeaky wheel. Like we are. We complain about a lot of things. But we also love our church. Yes. Yes. We complain because we love them. Because we love it. Yeah. Right. We're engaged. We're involved. Wait, what is my new tagline? 
involved and upset. That's like <laughs> how I would categorize the way I go through life. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably how our pastors view us, too. <laughs> Anyways, we'll catch you on the flip side. That's something my dad says. Yeah, right. In two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station. Check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes and stay tuned for weekly discussions.